A couple of weeks ago, we were at my son's place for my grandson's birthday, and my wife and I, we went over there a little earlier because we thought that we wanted to help decorate his birthday cake. And this is what it was like. Hey, we just came in through the door, and it's like, there are, how many children are there here? There's one, to, where's, where's my grandson? Where's this? Oh my goodness. Oh, this, <laughs> it's so noisy. Everybody's running around. Let's see if we can find some space on the table so that we can start decorating the cake. Where are all the ingredients? Oh, here they are. So what do we have to do? Well, yes, of course, you, and yes, you can help, and you can start mixing the things, and, <laughs> well, have you done? No, you haven't done it. Well, never mind, you can help. Everybody can join, and this is what it was like. Everybody was here. Everybody wanted to join. Everybody wanted to have a great cake. Everybody was excited about the potential result that we were going to have. And oh, <laughs> yes, of course, come on around the table. We'll see how we can do this. Yes, no, no, no. Wait a second. Don't crack the eggs. No, wait with it. Have you got a Have you got a cloth somewhere? We have got a cracked egg here. And wait with the milk. Wait, wait. No, not wait. Wait, wait with the milk. Okay, fine. Ah. Uh, well, this is, <laughs> this is, there's so many activities at the hang happening at the same time. It's, it's really hard to catch your breath. Um, let me, let me see if I can step here outside for a moment and tell you what this is about. Wait a minute, I have to find a place where it's a little quieter. Okay, this might be better. Oh my goodness, there was so much action. Maybe this is like um, it's like some moment in the, in the office, you know, when people say actions speak louder than words. My goodness, this was really loud. There was there was so much action, and uh, yeah, and then the cake was of course great, and the birthday party was great, and it was blowing out the candles. We had a lot, a lot of fun. It really felt great to be really busy with all the children getting the cake ready, but you know. At business, of course, it's great to have a lot of action as well, but sometimes you notice that not all actions are successful, are they? And in fact, not all actions really have an impact. And perhaps some of them, they not even contribute to, to the result that you are expecting. But if you have a team and if you're expecting a certain result and maybe there are even expectations that you have to improve that result or the result is not consistent. Sometimes the quality is good. Sometimes the quality is bad. Sometimes you feel that you have to, you know, re-promise when you're going to deliver and these types of things, which means you're not really sure about what result you're going to get. It's, it feels, sometimes it feels a little bit like the Christmas cake. You don't really know what you get. But in, in business, we can't really accept that, can we? That's why in business we say we need to have a recipe for success. Like we had a recipe to decorate this cake and even bake the cake. Um, because if you don't have a process to succeed, you can only hope for the best. And afterwards, you can explain why things went the way they went. So what really influences success? This is what we're going to look at in this Power Hour because, you know, Tony Robbins says success leaves clues. So in fact, the question really is, if you're a leader of a team, can you help your team see the clues so they know what to look out for? What is your system of choosing the right actions 
to get the right results from the beginning. Welcome to the Power Hour with me, Coach Colin. If you are listening to this Power Hour, it means that you are ready. You are ready to ask different questions. You are ready to listen to new answers. You are ready to step away from the ways you have always been doing things. You are ready to start your journey. Being ready, however, doesn't mean that you will immediately start doing things differently. Only when you start to do things differently than you did before will you get started on the journey in becoming the leader that you were meant to be. To make that happen, I offer you a strategy session. A strategy session is a one-on-one -on -one session, just you and me, where we draw a line in the sand and we see what you want to do differently and how you can get there and start your journey. This 30-minute strategy session is totally free, no further expectations, no strings attached. If you feel that you are ready for this strategy session, email me, text me, call me, private message me in any way and we will make it happen. Now let's get started with this Power Hour. Let's think back a moment. There was this day when you were the specialist in a team. You were one of the top performers, perhaps the top performer. You were the person who got the job done. You could deliver in time. You supplied according to quality. You were matching the cost expectations. You were the one people could rely on. And to be able really to do this job perfectly that you had, you even got training which means that um, you got specialist training. Perhaps it was courses around CAD design, around project management, around sales training, negotiation techniques, account, whatever it was. You got the specialist training so that you could be even better doing your job. And you were so good that one day you got noticed and you got promoted. And now you are the leader, you're the team leader, you're the manager, you're the department head responsible for a number of people who, who you really would want to be the top performers in the future. And this is where you're looking at your team maybe and you're wondering, hmm, well, maybe they're not the top performers yet. And, you know, that is maybe the first insight that you should accept because in fact, yes, you got promoted because you were one of the top performers. You got chosen because you got the job done. And now perhaps you're scratching your head and you're looking at your team and you're wondering, okay, how are we going to get this job done now? Because frankly speaking, you are still the specialist in many ways. You still have that experience. You've still got that edge. You've still got that feeling at the, you know, in your fingertips. You know exactly what has to be done. And to secure the results, naturally, you'll be telling yourself, well, you know, I, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to tell my team which actions to take, how things should be done around here. And automatically, unfortunately, but quite naturally, you, you start to micromanage. And that is quite a normal reaction for managers. They, you know, they take the approach like, um, stand aside, let me show you what to do. 
And with that, of course, with all the good intention, they hope that their team is going to be better by watching how the manager does things. And then there are other managers who take quite the opposite approach because they sort of don't help their team at all. They just let their team struggle. And they do that out of the experience because at one time they were struggling themselves too. And they thought, this is the best way how I learned to do things. And they sell to themselves, well, you know, go and figure it out for yourself. If you fail, it doesn't matter. Go and try it again. Just that you don't make the mistakes twice. And that is okay too. Which is better? Well, the question is, what if there was another way? What if there was a new perspective so you can lead your team to success? Because the question really is, how can you help your team to see where they struggle, find out what and who can help them so that they can learn faster until they are successful? That is what we're going to investigate in this Power Hour. And at the end of this Power Hour, I'm going to share with you a five-step process so you can start preparing your team so that they are more aware of how they can learn faster and be more successful. So let's think this through together. What would really happen if a manager of a team would be the expert? I mean, somebody who really knew everything. You see, this is not unusual because, of course, a person who knew everything, they got promoted at one time. And this was a great feeling of knowing everything, being able to do everything, because it got this person the recognition, people turned to them for advice, people asked them for help, they got extra tasks, management saw what they were doing and they even got, you know, a reward, an extra bonus maybe, because people recognized their extra work. But if this type of attitude, if this type of behavior then is displayed in a manager, how do you think the team would feel? Because let's admit that, well, at the time, perhaps you were the expert, you knew a lot, but maybe you didn't know everything. And it could easily be that you had peers and colleagues who were quite knowledgeable and experienced too. And they had their own way of doing things that made them successful to a certain extent. So in a way, you were all experts around you, right? So now that you're a manager of such a team, Maybe it would be a good idea to think about the fact that, well, in a way, you have experts all around you. You have actually a team of experts in front of you. And when you have a team of experts in front of you, the first thing that this team would expect from you is having respect for what they know. And the other insight that is quite powerful in this is, well, if you're surrounded by experts, you don't have to know everything anymore. You can rely on their judgment, which allows a question which I would like you to think about as a coach. And that is, well, if you don't believe that the people around you are experts, 
and you need to respect their experience. What do you believe about your people? This might be a hard question to answer. So it's much better to say, well, great, I'm surrounded by experts and let's use all this expertise to create something really good. Because if you have all these experts around you and have their way of doing things successful, then there is actually nothing to stop you to create something really amazing with all this expertise. Because behind the scenes, there might be one best way of doing things. This amazing way of being successful where everybody can learn from each other and everybody can be just a little bit better than they were before. Have you noticed that your team has to increase the results? Maybe you have to improve the quality. Maybe you have to reduce the amount of promises and re-promises that you're making and people are expecting you to really stick to your word. This is typically a situation when you have to rethink how your team is working and spend some time in creating this common way of being successful together. This is a typical situation where routines and processes are defined, like recipes for success with checklists for quality and safety and, you know, even your own personal way of being successful plays an important contribution here to create this best way of doing things together with your team. And in this best way of doing things, you want to be crystal clear about how do you get the results? How should your team work and collaborate to get the results that you really want? Because if you have been reading a book like From Good to Great from Jim Collins, maybe you've been stumbling over one of his quotes where he says, because if you don't know how you got the results, how can you be sure to repeat the success the next time round? You may as well accept that you just got lucky. So getting lucky is not really an option in business because your team is about creating and delivering the same results with the same level of quality in the same amount of time at the same cost again and again and again. There is no room for getting lucky. So the real question then is, how do you make results repeatable? Well, have you been sitting in a plane? Have you taken a flight to another destination? Just imagine if the pilot came on the intercom just before you're getting ready and he would say something, oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on this flight to bound to Los Angeles. Um, let me think now. I haven't been flying this airplane for quite a long time, but you know, I've been been trained on another type of airplane. So I'm, I think I'm going to figure this out. We're going to be good. And by the way, we don't have any checklists for getting prepared for the start. So, you know, we'll, we'll wing it. We'll get along. <laughs> I guess you would be unbuckling your, your seatbelts and you would be down the aisle in, in seconds trying to get off the plane because you wouldn't feel safe. 
And that is really why, why, why pilots have documented procedures. They have checklists for everything, for, you know, the getting ready of the plane, the getting ready for taxiing, getting ready for whatever. They have checklists for everything because they've got a busy job and it is a complex system with all those dials and computers and switches and things. And of course, you want to make sure that they don't want they don't make a mistake. And that is why you feel safe when they have a checklist. And it's it's like it's like doctors, nurses, they have got clear routines and they know the better they are in documenting the procedures and the routines and the processes, the better they are in keeping the patients safe. And you know what? When you go to the restaurant in an evening, it's the same thing because the cooks there have a recipe. They have a clear steps how they can repeat this dinner that you have ordered so that it looks the same, it tastes the same, it smells the same, it is, you know just like the day before, and if you would come in the day after, you would expect exactly the same. Because that is the way how they ensure the same results. Now, think about it for a moment. Pilots, doctors, nurses, cooks. I mean, of course, they are, they are rushed, right? They are doing multitasking. They've got several recipes to do at once. They, they are stressed because they have to leave the apron at a certain moment of time and the passengers are still climbing in. They've got complex tasks that they have to make sure and, and maybe even preceding tasks have to be supervised. And wow, I mean, some of these things, they're really high risk. And if you do a failure, it's going to cost a lot. So it's good for them to be sure and know exactly what is going to happen. But what about your team? I mean, aren't you stressed and rushed? Do you, don't you do multitasking? Don't you have a complex task? Don't you supervise other tasks? And don't you have costs when things go wrong? So why don't, why don't you use a clear description for your process and checklists so that you feel safe and your customers feel safe and your stakeholders feel safe that they're going to get the same result every time. You see, a well understood and documented process gives you and your team the operational certainty how to do things well. It allows your team to repeat the successes you've had and assure the results you need. But when I travel around and when I do coaching and training, it looks like there are many managers who feel like working on a process and with checklists is a waste of time. It doesn't add any value. Maybe even you believe that it's going to slow your team down and they're intelligent and they're in control and they don't make mistakes and, and they're perfect. But um, and even you might be thinking, why should we use a checklist? The reason why you're not using a checklist and not working with the processes may be in the image you have on yourself as a leader. And there are four types of leaders that you might recognize and one of them, well, might just be you. The first type of leader is a servant leader. 
This is a type of leader who wants to serve the team, wants to serve the customers, wants to serve the stakeholders. And they might be believing, well, a process slows things down. We have to be faster in serving our stakeholders. We have to be more reactive to serve our customers. Servant leadership is reactive leadership. But you may want to ask yourself, well, if you're reacting to the environment and to your customers, who's actually leading the team then? The second type of leadership is the entrepreneur, like the, the boss who's calling the shots. And they might be thinking, I don't care about any process. I want to have the freedom to grow my business. Which is all great. But how can you grow your business if it still produces unstable results? The third type of leader is the explorer. And the explorer might be thinking, I like to explore and discover and take opportunities when they occur. There is no process for that. But is that really true? What if there was a systematic way of finding opportunities? And what if the opportunities that you're hoping to find suddenly dry up? And the fourth type of leader is the controller. And the controller might be thinking, I don't care how people do it or where they spend their time. I just want to have results. But what happens if the results are not good enough? What is then your contribution as a leader to the team? That is really the question where, as a leader, it would be time to start thinking about shifting your perspective because you're not supposed to be the one who's got the best expertise, the most experienced, the one who's calling the shots, the one who's telling the people what to do. Instead, the question is, what other contribution can you bring to this team game where everybody has a clear role? Because your team members are the specialists. They should call the shots. They should have the experience. Which means the question is, what is your role then instead? This might be the moment where you want to take a look at your team quietly and think, what do they need to improve? Where are they losing time? Where do they spend time correcting things on the way? What could be saved if they did things right from the start? That is why it might be a good idea on a regular basis to check in with your individuals and your team to see, are they living up to the expectations, how they should be working? Are they working in the process so that the team is working effectively? Do they need support, training or coaching to be even more successful? Because in the environment which we live in, when things change, we have to adapt the way we're working. And that is the role of the leader, to help the team to adapt their way of working so that they can be more successful even in the future. Don't leave it up to them to figure it out. Don't leave it up to them 
until they are unsuccessful. Take the lead and take a look to see how they are working in the process and spend some time focusing on working on the process instead. So let's have a look at a five-step process that can help you prepare yourself and your team to start working on the process so that you all can be more successful in the future. The five-step process I'm going to share with you follows by the acronym of SHIFT because that is what you want to do. You want to shift the team to a higher level. You want to shift your team to be more focused on repeating the results of being more effective in achieving the results and being more aware of where they stand in the process so that they can become better by themselves and feel motivated to do things better than they did yesterday. In this shift process, you don't have to tell them how to do things deliberately. They're going to find that out by themselves. You don't have to stay away and let them struggle. In fact, you can be very close to them and coach them so that they can develop themselves even faster than before. And this way, you will transform your team towards a higher level of performance and a higher level of awareness in creating results. Isn't that what you expect? So let's have a look in detail at the shift process. The first thing of the shift process is the S. That's where it starts. Because in fact, you are focusing on the result. And with the S, you want to secure the primary result. That is what the purpose is. And the primary result is that result that is most important to you and your team and specifically to your manager. The primary result, in the worst case, will be something that if you fail to reach it, I'm quite sure your manager is going to have a discussion with you. And in fact, if you're unclear what your primary result is, maybe it would be a good place to start to have that dialogue with your manager to be crystal clear around the expectations that he or she has on you. Because every team, every stage in the company, every department in the company has literally a primary result that contributes to the overall result of the company. In sales, Naturally, it's sales. In R&D, it is developing new products. In production, it is delivering good quality products and so on and so on. Breaking that down to your team might be a discussion that would make it more tangible and more matching the strategy of the company. But there is always a primary result that you would want to secure together with your team. That is the S. It stands for secure the primary result of your team. That is the purpose of the shift process. The next step in the shift process is the H. And the H stands for the holistic impact by success areas. Now, you can imagine that creating a result, you would have to take an overall look, understand the holistic impact, the overall impact, on this result. And to be able to do that, we have found that there are four success areas that are important to take a look at. 
And when you maximize these success areas, like maximize the focus, maximize the activities, maximize the quality, maximize the competence in these success areas, you will maximize the result, the primary result in the end. So which are the success areas that comprise and create this holistic impact? There are four of them. The first one is all everything that has to do with functional and technical competence. You can very easily describe out of a functional and technical perspective what the people need to know to be able to do the job effectively, which means which tools do they have to touch, which system do they have to start up, which knowledge do they have to have so that they know what to do on the job. That is one, the functional and technical area. The second one is the professional area, because when they apply all this functional technical knowledge, you expect them to create a certain value on the job. Now, you have to apply your knowledge or your technical and functional skills in a certain way, which means you need to have a certain amount of experience, you have to have a certain amount of judgment, there have to be certain things in place so that you can really create this value. Otherwise, you're just literally speaking, moving pieces of paper, moving files, you're not creating any value. The third area is everything that has got to do with communication. That also has an impact on your primary result because people don't sit on their own and do things on their own anymore. They're always interacting with other people. They're always having a meeting. They're taking initiative. They're talking to people. Um, and they're even pushing other people to do things. So there's a certain amount of communication that has to happen. And if that communication breaks down, then, of course, you're going to lose a significant area that has impact on the primary result. And the fourth area has got to do with leadership. Now, in this case, when you're talking to your team, it has got to do all about with self-leadership because certain things on this job are not going to go easy. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be pushbacks. There are going to be failures. And there are going to be stakeholders and customers and peers who have different opinions. And the better your team can manage the emotions behind it and lead themselves in difficult situations, the better they're going to be in having an impact on the primary result. So these four areas, they, they summarize the holistic impact, the four success areas of the H. Now, the I in the shift process is a little different because in every success area, there is a sequence of doing things. You might remember you don't want to crack an egg if you don't have a bowl there in front of you. And you don't want to pour the milk if you don't want to, if you don't know how much milk you're going to pour. So there is a blueprint of sequence how you want to do things so that you can be successful. And like looking at your recipe, you look at certain things you have to prepare, then you create, you know, you create the cake, you create the dressing. Um, and you can do these things in parallel. It's, it's like having a map that can make you successful. And it's like having a blueprint for your team so that they know exactly what they should be doing to be successful. And this can be really the collection of all the experience that you have in your team and your own ex experience, which brings out the ideal blueprint for success. 
which is the I, the ideal blueprint, how your team should be working. Now, the F, the fourth step here in the shift process, is at that point, of course, you can start comparing against the ideal blueprint, which means that the, for the people, it means now they have a clear level of expectation for themselves and you have a clear level of expectation on, on them, which means that you can identify the F here, which is the flares and the flaws. The flares are those areas where somebody is doing something really great according to the blueprint and the flaws are the things where they discover that they might need to improve something so that they can live up to the blueprint. We all have our flares and flaws and there is nothing to hide about it and the more the expectation becomes transparent, the more the people can see for themselves where their flares and flaws are, which gives them the opportunity to take the initiative and start getting better. Which brings us to the fifth step of the shift process, which is the T, because when the people start seeing how they can be better themselves, that is when they can start transforming for themselves. That is where they can take the initiative, where they can feel proud of what about the flares they have and the things they can do well, and they can take initiative and start working on their flaws and in the end do things better than they did before. Using the shift process, you don't have to use your own expertise and tell your people what to do and show them how you would be doing things. You don't have to back off from your team and let them struggle and find their own ways how to be better. You can get deeply involved in your team by helping them, seeing what the primary result is, helping them create the success map so that they know the sequence that will make them successful, Bring the team together so that you can create the ideal blueprint so that everybody needs can see what is the best way to be successful here so that they can adjust their own performance according to their flares and flaws. And this way, you can help your team to start the transformation and shift your team to the next level of performance and achieving the results that you all expect. Thank you for listening to this Power Hour. What was interesting for you in this Power Hour? Was it really valuable? In that case, just go and press like or write a comment. Or maybe you can even share this Power Hour with some of your peers and colleagues so that they can become a little better tomorrow. Because it's very rewarding for us to see people becoming better around us because this way our team can achieve different results and reach new goals. And if you have something specifically that you would like to have help with, why not send me a private message or an email and detail exactly what you would want help in. Because always remember, I am Coach Colin and I am the skipper on your journey in helping you mastering your leadership. So no matter what wins you have on your journey, just stay the course and stay safe and enjoy the ride. I'm Coach Colin and I'm the skipper right by your side. Until next time, take care 